Hello and welcome to the Brexit Central podcast. On the Brexit Central podcast today is Hugh Bennett, who used to work at Brexit Central for two years, was it? It's almost two years, yeah. And he now works at Aguido Forks, where he's breaking the news and uh, generally annoying people. Uh, is that, <laughs> was that about fair? <laughs> well, just trying to annoy the right people, really. But today we're going to be talking um, not about the current shenanigans, hopefully not too much, but we're going to be talking a bit about um, Vote Leave because you worked on Vote Leave. Um, what was your what was actually your role at Vote Leave? Uh, so I was uh, basically running the correspondence side of things on the campaign. So this is all the, every member of the public who wants to get in touch, whether it's by email, um, social media, telephone, post, everything. Everything from people who want to get involved, want to get involved in volunteering, to people who just wanted to you know, have, a, have a chat with someone or ask questions about what Brexit would look like. So you weren't, it wasn't a, a kind of top senior role, but you were getting a picture and a constant stream of what people were saying. Do you think, do you think that gave you a good insight into how it was progressing? Well, yeah, it was very interesting, actually, um, looking at what sort of um, what sort of messages we were getting in from the public compared to what was going on in the news. And I think there were there were often times when we were doing well in, in the sort of news cycle, the air war, when when we had a lot of momentum with us, we were on the sort of strong topics for us, the Remain campaign was on the back foot, then, then we'd be getting in a lot of people upbeat, a lot of people positive about the way the campaign was going. Uh, that was good. On the other hand, when... When thing, when we were sort of up against it a bit, I mean, when when Remain had their massive Project Fear blitz just before Perda came in, or when there was all of the uh, all of the endless infighting with the uh, the Aaron Banks campaign, then you know that had actually, as I have to say, a lot of the messages we got were a lot less upbeat. There were a lot of our own supporters who were actually quite quite negative, a bit downhearted at, at those times. So it was sort of our job, really, to keep the morale up. Say, look, you know, this is a long campaign. Um, there are going to be twists and turns. The most important thing is actually to get out there, keep campaigning, keep putting out positive messages. So do you think in some respect Project Fear was successful? I think certainly the the most noticeable difference in the campaign was when Perda came in about a month before the referendum. Obviously that's the restriction in law which prevents the government itself from actively campaigning, so the civil service. Um, and things for actively campaigning in the referendum and up until that point you know obviously the campaigns are meant to be on a level pegging uh, in terms of funding and things for the control period but in, in, in actual fact what you had happening was the government uh, as well as the remain campaign the government was able to use its whole resources the entire civil service to campaign for remain basically and that's what we saw with george osborne's big project fear reports the treasury forecasts all of that all of these big warnings you know, with you know, th- thousands of people who work in the civil service but them, whereas we had a research team of you know less than five people trying to take on the entire might of the civil service. So it, when the government did have that unfair advantage, um, yeah, we did feel under the cosh at times. There was a, you know there was just a very relentless negative uh, stories about what leaving the EU would mean, which obviously have all been proved false now. Um, and actually, after Perda came in, and then suddenly we were on a level pegging with the Remain campaign, they didn't have the civil service helping them out. I, th- I think that's when the momentum really swung in our favour. I think you saw, you saw it in the polls, you saw it in the attitude of, of our supporters. People suddenly felt a lot more upbeat. You know, they felt like, actually, we were getting our messages across, we were getting our positive messages across. 
Um, and the Rain campaign didn't have any answers, and obviously the rest is history. Even up until you know the day before, all the polls or the pundits were saying, you know, Remain's got it. I think even on the day itself, I think you could get some absurdly good uh, betting odds in favour of Remain. I think the establishment didn't see it coming, but I think what we what we did really, I think the key thing was message discipline. Obviously, as you probably uh, most people listening have probably watched the uh, the Channel Four drama about uh, the referendum campaign, Dominic Cummings. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, I think the thing it obviously didn't didn't capture a lot of things about the campaign. It, you know, it's a drama, not a documentary. But I think the one thing it did it did capture was this whole idea of message discipline, of having a clear message that worked and sticking to it. And that that was obviously the the take back control idea. You know, and this wasn't something that, we, that was just dreamt up in you know in some uh, committee uh, uh, boardroom of people sitting around in you know, in some boardroom this is something which Dominic Cummings and others were actually going out there talking to people around the country a lot of people who'd felt marginalized by politics and saying what messages actually work what messages cut through and i think by sticking to that you know obviously there there are a lot of other positive aspects of the eu things like you know there are things you know the more i suppose sort of progressive ideas you know, around um helping to boost trade with the third world and stuff uh, which obviously did play some part of the campaign but I think in terms of pure campaigning, it was sticking to the core messages about about taking back control of our money, our laws and our borders that uh, that really stuck with people. And by contrast, I think the Remain campaign didn't have a, a central message like that. It was uh, the, the whole idea was a sort of this general onslaught of fear predictions about leaving the EU combined with, um, you know, pretty, pretty nebulous um Attempts to sell the sell the benefits of the EU. I mean, they'd they'd either be sort of very stereotypical campaigns targeted at you know young people or whatever. All these patronising things about holidays and and Erasmus schemes and things like that. Or, or I mean, otherwise they just they just couldn't really make the positive arguments. And I think that's why we we ultimately won through. So you've mentioned Dominic Cummings, who um, features quite heavily in the Channel Four film um, Brexit: The Uncivil War. Who he seems to be a bit of a mad genius who who writes on every wall that he walks past. <laughs> Is that accurate from what you remember of him? <laughs> I mean, it was it was very entertaining watching watching the drama, and I think it you know, Benedict Cumberbatch did do a good job of capturing quite a lot of Dom's personality. I mean, don't think he'd mind uh, mind being called a, a mad genius. I think, but the thing I think it it didn't capture was actually Dom's sense of humour and Dom's sense of fun. Um, I think the the Channel Four documentary almost portrays him as a bit, as sort of a little bit serious. You know, he's he's writing these things on the wall, but he's off in his own world. You know, he's he's uh, he, he's not not very personal, not very not very friendly to people. And that that actually for us working on the campaign, that wasn't that wasn't the Don we knew at all. He would come up with some you know slightly left field quote about something, uh, but there'd always be a wry smile on his face. There'd be a grin afterwards. It'd be like, so what? What does that really mean? You know, there, there was always some joke. There was always some point point to things um and you know he was always there late in the evenings having a beer with everyone else t- chatting about whatever cracking jokes and i think yeah that's the thing that really the documentary missed overall i think was just the sense of fun that, that we had working on the campaign it wasn't it wasn't a slog it wasn't some well i mean okay it was a slog but it was a very enjoyable one um you know that we had a lot of laughs from start to finish there was a great team spirit I think perhaps you know that team spirit is one of the reasons why, with such a small team, we are able to completely outperform and uh, 
outcompete the Remain side. So Steve Baker, um, the Conservative MP and Brexiteer, described um, Dominic Cummings as like special forces. If you don't mind the collateral damage, then, then he's your man. Was it the case that um, Dominic Cummings would be doing that and would be in some ways rubbing people up the wrong way and Matthew Elliott, the chief executive of Vote Leave, who was looking after the donors and who was looking after the MPs, was vital in in that role of actually smoothing feathers. And... <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, that's yeah, it's probably uh, as as a sort of double act in that sense. I think they work quite well. Obviously, Dom is a real sort of pure political animal, but in the sense, the sense that yeah, he has absolute instinct. He's not so fussed about the the diplomatic side of it, as it were. You know, whether it's in relations with MPs or with donors or whatever but obviously you know he 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 speaks through the results that he achieves and so i think people respect that but obviously matthew on the other side he's got a very good diplomatic skill to him as well and i think he was actually crucial at sort of providing the balance sort of the yin the yin and the yang if you like of getting the balance of uh, of actually you know doing the things we needed to do to win but also actually taking people on board on board with us who weren't necessarily convinced at the start so in terms of other people in the campaign obviously a lot was made in the channel 4 documentary about the kind of data side of it and the facebook ads and targeting and and not to talk about the kind of crazy conspiracy theories of of cambridge analytica and the things that um are often written and retracted in the observer but how effective do you think that was because i know one thing um that was done is that a, a huge amount of the budget was put into online. How effective do you think that was? The reality of modern political campaigning is that Facebook advertising is a huge part of it. You look at the uh, the Tories' general election budget, even 2015, before uh, before the referendum. Uh, that I think they that that was the turning point where actually they spent far more on digital advertising than they did on. On physical advertising, you go back to as recently as 2010, and then it's all these big Saatchi and Saatchi billboards with David Cameron's shiny face everywhere, and that that's just gone basically from from political campaigns. Everything is now online. I think for sure it was effective. It's it's, it's a very effective way of reaching a lot of people. But you know, all sides were doing it. The Remain campaign were doing it as well. Just delivering a Facebook ad to someone's Facebook desktop doesn't make them vote for you. The thing that convinces them is the strength of the message. It doesn't matter how many ads you buy. If your message is a crap, they're not going to convince anyone. And you know, I think the reason why our Facebook advertising was successful was because we actually you know, we had strong messages that were effective with people and... Uh, we were we were efficient at getting them out there. So one thing you you said about Vote Leave was um, that key to their success was their size. So you said being small was effective, and you you said that made them more nimble. Um, do you think what other kind of structural aspects were there to Vote Leave? I mean, it, it, was it like how was it set up? Was it like a, a kind of business? Was it with uh, direction coming from the top? We did have a sort of re- a normal corporate corporate structure with you know with directors on a board. Above the above the people, uh, you know, the CEO Matthew and the campaign director Dominic, who were actually running it day to day. And I think obviously the board had some input into the direction, but you know, I think the strategy was really formulated by the the sort of main campaign team. It was by Dom Dominic Cummings and people closely involved in in the campaign. You know, the research team for for many months there was just two people, Oliver Lewis and, and Richard Howell, who between them, I, I don't know how they did it, but working, you know, probably. 18, 19 hour days, six, six or seven days a week, you know, just between the two of them, they were producing, you know, all the research, all all the stuff we needed to actually counter, counter what was coming from the government, and put our own arguments out there. Because the website's absolutely was absolutely stuffed full of arguments and just reams and reams of stuff. Just um, oh yeah, no, I mean, and is that yeah. all from them too? 
More or less, yeah. Obviously, you know, they they worked very closely with the, the press team as well. But even that, you know, that was a small team. You know, you know I think maybe you know, probably had three three or four people. Got slightly bigger towards the end. I think all of these things expanded in the last two three months of the campaign. But for for the majority of the time, you know, we're talking a, a really small you know small team. Uh, so it was basically two guys competing against the British government. <laughs> pretty much, and they managed uh, to win. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> they they managed to win, obviously, with with help from all the rest of the team. But yeah, I mean, you can't. You can't you can't really overstate how how important their their role was in that. You know, just you know, the analytical skills, the, the ability to do all this research, you know, breakneck speed. You know, just having these good people who really cared about it, who were taking responsibility for decisions, who were you know, taking responsibility for getting the work done, prepared to go the extra mile. And like, sounds like their main campaign. It was a lot more committee based. There was no clear structure of leadership. Everyone was running their own little fiefdoms. You know, everyone was just really in it for themselves. And I'm not sure if people were really, you know, were people really working flat out in the way that we were? I, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But I, I, I suspect that they weren't. And just one final thing. Um, the Vote Leave actually did have a plan for what to do when we left the EU. It was, it was set out on the website. Um, and it was mentioned. It, it was said that we don't need to trigger Article 50 straight away. Um did any of that plan and did any of the kind of um, the vision that Dominic Cummings had for the British government to reform it, was it do you think any of that inspired you um, to work harder when you were there? Yeah, this was really, a, this is, goes to the heart of the take back control message. It's not the taking back control so much as what you do with it. If you leave the EU but continue following all of its rules, you continue doing everything exactly the same way you did before, well, then you could you could almost rightly ask, you know, what's the point? And that's why I think Dom did have this vision that this would be a real moment of renewal. It would actually be the chance to change the way we do things, get rid of the the routines that have got old and inefficient, particularly within the civil service, and actually, you know, actually, you know, revitalise the whole country, the whole way it was run, the whole way it dealt with, dealt with politics and issues. And I think sadly that's all gone out the window since the since the referendum obviously the uh, shenanigans between uh, Michael Gove and Boris didn't really help that um, but you know, to be honest I think when you look at what the government's done since uh, since the referendum it's almost the opposite of what of what Dom suggested that they should do whether whether Dom Dom would have been able to convert his vision into reality um, I guess at this stage we'll never know because he never got the chance to try but I think when you look at the the difficulties the government's got into, all of a lot of which you know, Dominic Cummings warned against, you start to think, well, he's he's certainly got a point um, about a lot of this stuff. And if the government even managed to get out of the EU you know, with a deal that basically locks locks the vast majority of the status quo in place, then you know, I think a lot of his a lot of his prophecies will be proved right. Hugh Bennett, thank you very much. You've been listening to the Brexit Central podcast. I'm David Scullion and I was speaking to Hugh Bennett from Guido Forks. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and you can get our daily Brexit briefing at brexitcentral.com forward slash subscribe.